0: KKCR Honolulu, KAQA Kilauea, K224CQ Anahola, K205FM Honolulu.
1: The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent those of KKCR, its board of directors, staff, volunteers, or underwriters.
2: How Kauai is made possible by KKCR's sustaining members in partnership with Kilauea Paint and Feed, A. Feinberg Galleries, and Healthy Hut.
3: Kilauea Paint and Feed Store, specializing in professional-grade Pittsburgh paints and sundries, propane exchange and refills, premium pet food, organic livestock feed, and Hendrika's Organic Fertilizer. Locally owned Kilauea Paint and Feed. Just off the highway in Kilauea Town. 828-6655 or KilaueaPaint.com. A Feinberg Galleries, showcasing the world-class, award-winning fine art photography of Aaron Feinberg. Now open daily in the Hanalei Dolphin Center, the Princeville Resort, and the shops at Kukuiula Poipu a feinberg galleries proudly support Kauai community radio by underwriting this program 634-5804 or expandingvisualreality.com.
4: healthy hut market and cafe
1: now right off the highway in the old school building in kilauea organic and natural groceries produce raw foods beer and wine an expansive organic salad bar fresh
5: hot meals smoothies juices and coffees and locally made products Healthy Hut, a family-owned business, supports KKCR.
2: Mahalo for supporting Kauai Community Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to PAL Kauai, permanently affordable living Kauai, a radio show brought to you by Kauai Community Radio with PAL Kauai. Our mission is to provide homes and sustainable living solutions within reach, providing hope for the people of Kauai. Today, we'd like to welcome to our studio um, Milo Spint by Phone. I think we're on. Milo, are you? Right there. Nope. Hi, Milo. Are you with us? Uh, I think so. Oh, Sounds like you are. Steven Steven Spears with Habitat for Humanity, and Milo is with Kauai Housing Development Corporation. Both are the executive directors. Jim Edmonds, the president of Pal Kauai, and Milani Pimentel with Habitat for Humanity. Deputy director. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) We're all in studio, and Milo's joining us by phone. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thank you, and thank you for the viewing audience for joining us in your cars, in your living rooms, or by the Internet all over the world. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the guests joining us, and I guess, Jim, go right ahead.
5: First thing we wanted to do is remind you why we're doing this show and what is the purpose of this show. <clears throat> we are going to be on the air, but we've, we've expanded it. We're going to be on the air between 4 and 6 p.m., the last Monday of each month, uh, this being the last Monday of February. And we will be addressing such a touching subject, and that is the homeless and the housing crisis on this island. We will be describing in just a few minutes a little bit more about that. But it is a call show. We ask you to call in, particularly if you have questions about what's being done. We're doing everything we can to understand all that and more importantly, if you have suggestions or ways that you can help with this crisis, um, be, w- be sure to call at eight two six seven 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 one. And um, Larry and I are will be running the show. Larry Graff is our executive director. Um, we have a powerful board. We're building a powerful team, and together we are going to um, solve this crisis. We have a really important announcement today but we're going to save it a little bit later on when we are dealing with that question so go for it
2: so tune in and stay with the show and you'll hear our important announcement why don't we start off with uh telling us a little bit about yourselves milo you're on the phone and why don't you tell us about your organization and uh, what you guys do and your history and, and whatever you care to share go ahead Milo.
5: your background too milo
1: yeah, Kauai Housing Development Corporation was founded in 1992. It is a nonprofit. It is independent, uh, which means it's not part of any government entity. And uh, over the years, uh, KHDC has developed uh, a total of five projects and then has been a co-developer uh, or a financing conduit for some single-family home projects as well five projects that we have uh, developed are the uh Lihue theater on kuhio which is now a senior living uh we also developed uh harry and jeanette weinberg uh property out in kalaheo uh called Hale Kapuna, which is another senior living property and then we have three uh, low-income housing tax credit projects that we're the general partner on uh, we have Kalepa village phase two up village phase three and pa'anau village phase two those are all in partnership uh, also with the county of Kauai, who is the fee owner of the land and uh, we partner with them to develop all three of those properties Uh, my personal background uh, i come from about uh, oh let's see Uh, i guess 19 years this year in real estate and i've been working in affordable housing uh, through different boards and committees for the last 13 years of that. Um, Some of that includes being the uh, past chairperson and Kauai representative on the Hawaii Housing Finance and Development Corporation Board of Directors, which is a quasi-governmental agency that uh, is a funding conduit for a little over a billion dollars in funding for affordable housing development throughout the state of Hawaii, and then also as the chairperson for the Hawaii Public Housing Authority.
2: Thanks, Milo. And that was a billion with a B, wasn't it? Uh, That was, yeah, just a little over a billion dollars. Wow. So thank you so much, Milo, and uh, we'll get back to you. We want to share a little bit of information about Stephen and Milani. Stephen, why don't you tell us about who you are, what you do, and about your organization?
6: Okay. I'm uh, Stephen Spears. I've been the executive director for 13 years now. Um, And actually, I've been involved in one way or another with Kauai Habitat since 1995. I came here actually as a volunteer. Uh, volunteered and stayed for about a month, and so started out a good volunteer organization in the right way. So Kauai Habitat's been around right after Aniki, 1992. It was incorporated, and I believe we built 181 homes, I believe is the number. Um, Currently, we have 13 more under construction, and we're starting another 10 now. So the capacity for Kauai Habitat in the last Three, four, five years has gone from an average of five to ten houses a year. Last year, in our calendar year, we did 31 homes. So it looks like we're on track for the same thing next year. So we've been developing a lot in Lele area, and this is self-help housing. So we've leveraged um, all the support from the community, different vendors, different foundations, um, and leveraged that with all of the, um, the labor that's provided by volunteers, not only from the families of the homeowners to buy the homes, our home buyers, but also from different community and even from people from the mainland. So currently we're finishing up LELE. Uh, we have about 37 homes to finish out of 125, and we have another project in Waimea currently with uh, 32 lots, which those lots should be available sometime in the middle of uh, this summer. And then we'll probably start home construction on those somewhere close to the end of the year.
5: And so. Stephen, the, the families pay what, six, seven, eight hundred thousand for those houses?
6: Well, actually the houses are appraising for about five hundred and fifty thousand, anywhere from five hundred to five hundred and fifty thousand. <coughs> and currently in LA, LA the families are paying two hundred and twenty seven for a two bedroom, two thirty five for a three bedroom. And two hundred forty two for a four bedroom that includes an alley, alley a six thousand square foot lot, so that's house and lot actually we're photovoltaic uh, electric on the roof and um, solar hot water, and the house complete everything included for that price
5: nice houses
2: so
6: jim so Jim
2: was joking around, and I wouldn't st- do that and stephen that's that's amazing that you selling houses for two hundred and thirty five thousand dollar range. average yeah
6: so how many people are on your waiting list, Stephen? Um, it increases by somewhere around four or five hundred families each year. So this year, the last count I did, it's about 3,600 families, <laughs> and that is from if you take Lihue, go west. There's about say about 1,800 names there, and then even though we haven't had any fee simple homes to speak of north of Lihue lately, we have about 800 names going. F- from north up to uh, Kilauea and uh, Hanalei. So we're hoping to have some projects uh, moving north now. We're, we're in, inquiring about land and doing some development on those.
2: Milani, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about you? I'm not going to leave you out. You, you <laughs> can't disappear in the studio. So, well,
0: thank
2: you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And, and um, just as a follow-up to what Stephen was saying, um, tell us a little bit what, what self-help housing really is and how it works, and then how do you get on the waiting list?
3: Okay. Um, so I'm Milani P. Metallic, and I'm the deputy director at Kauai Habitat, and I've worked with nonprofits probably over the last 20-plus years. The last chunk of my career has been in this wonderful position here with Kauai Habitat. Um, and going back to your questions, then Larry, how does one get on the waiting
2: list? Yeah, how does one get on the waiting list? And tell us a little bit about self-help housing.
3: Ah, okay. So um, the beginning point would be definitely to get on our on our mailing list, and mm-hmm. it's easy enough to do that. You can pick up the phone, head to our family services office, and get on put your name and address and contact information that way for our mailing list. You can also do it on the web, uh, www.kawaiihabitat.org, and head to home ownership And from there, you can enter your name and pertinent contact information. Once you're on our mailing list, then whenever we do have opportunities to offer for um, houses and lots, we'll go ahead and put mailers out, we'll put advertising out, we'll spread the word through social media, through the coconut wireless, of course great way of advertising here on our island and um, through meeting notices and whatnot. We'll hold offering meetings to give people information about the projects coming up and the lots available and they'll have plenty of time to ask questions and fill out paperwork prior to to any deadlines happening for um, uh, any initial applications there.
2: That sounds great and I think I think i've seen and i think many of us on this island have seen the advertising that you've done in the outreach for uh the volunteer housing though that's they have to put in a certain number of hours right
3: yes so ours this is definitely a self-help program so once you're once you're qualified into the program um you meet the characteristics that habitat requires right you've got to be um creditworthy have income to repay an affordable loan you've got to be willing to partner meaning you know we're asking at this time we're asking uh households to put in about 30 hours of their own time which we call sweat equity into the construction of the homes and this is not to say they're just doing that 30 hours a week on their own home they're working with um, construction on their neighbors' houses or another group of houses that's going on at the same time. So it's a, it definitely is a whole big um, family and community affair for sure.
2: Thank you so much. Now, not everybody can afford to buy a home. I can't afford to buy a home, and many of us out there can't. So, so we rent houses. And um, Milo, you've got five projects on the island, and. Could you tell us a little bit about them and what the qualifications are to get into your housing and about the waiting list and um, how all that works?
1: So that's a great question. Uh, You know, each property is a little different. And when it comes to rental properties, the qualifications to get into an affordable or a low-income rental property is largely based on what we call the financing stack. So that's the, um, the funds that go into helping us build and develop the property. Um, you know, project, so that one is, uh, does have an age qualification. You give preference to people 65 years, uh, and older. We can't accept people younger, but we do, uh, uh, uh on a list. And then you have to, you do have, uh, Certain income. That property is up to 50% of area median income for a single individual, and, and there's a waiting list. Uh, so you turn in your application, and you got to wait for your uh, name to come up. Our Kalihaile property, uh, Hale Kapuna, is a similar. Um, that one services. Uh, we have a number of units that service all the way down to 30% of AMI. And to give, uh, listeners an idea of what 30% of AMI is, uh, an AMI is area median income. That's a number set by the U.S. federal government, uh, housing and urban development for each area. Kauai is considered all one area. And, uh, 30% of AMI we rent to people in, uh, with one bedroom for s- uh, around $620, $680 per month. Uh, that doesn't include your electricity, but that does include sewer, water, and garbage.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Our,
1: uh, I can ex- let me expand just a little bit on the tax credit properties. Great. So a property like Pahanao Village or a property like Kelapa Village is financed through the low-income housing tax credit uh, model, and there's uh, often a couple other financing tools involved in that. Uh, these are uh, not quite grants, um, they're tax credits, but those are also income qualified at 60% and below of AMI, and we do have to, we have a number of units for people making as low as 30% of AMI as well.
5: Thank you so,
2: thank you so much, Milo.
5: So, so I wanted to, we're, we're kind of starting into this thing backwards a little bit. What we were okay. going to do, the purpose of this show is to define the problem. What does Kauai face in terms of a housing problem, and to have all of these experts, we have—we probably have the top experts in affordable housing development on this show right now on this island. Would you agree with that? I don't know. Maybe a few people in the county would would be able to sit, you know, uh, have a little bit more credibility in that. But we're the people who are doing it, and essentially. We wanted to kind of help everybody understand what we're up against, and it's it's very concerning and very frustrating. Um, essentially what is happening, from what we can tell, is that the local population that have been here for however many generations, up to ten or more generations, are being driven off the island. A lot of people call it, uh, you know, gentrification or whatever they want to call as the excuse. The reason for it, from what we can tell, is resorti- resortification. Uh, we have many super wealthy people moving here. We welcome them with open arms because it's such a friendly island, but they end up causing, um, the prices of properties to go up. Uh, if you want to define the problem, just look at Kilauea right now. I'm a broker in Kilauea for over 30 years. Uh, right now on the entire Kilauea plain between Molawa in Kalihiwai, there are three houses on the market under a million dollars. Let that soak in just a second. There are three houses on the Kilauea Plain under a million dollars, and those are all in Kilauea on average 6,000 square foot lots. A couple of them are really old. Um, I think the cheapest one is 680.
2: And that's, And that's a mansion, right? Yeah, you'd want a, to move in right away. Oh
5: yeah, that's a mansion.
2: Yeah, it's single a, wall construction. It's,
5: I think it's twelve, eleven hundred square feet. <laughs>
2: right.
5: It's an eleven hundred square foot mansion, which means two and a half times the size of a guest house, or even less than that. So basically, we are in deep kimchi, as we say. Uh, something has to be done. Everyone on this show today is working full time to try to do it, to try to try to solve this crisis. And what I'm going to do is. Um, you know, we have all kinds of statistics and anecdotal information that we put together. I could sit here and talk to you about it for the, the whole two hours about the trouble that we're in. But you're going to hear me every sa- every mon- last Monday of the month from now on. I would like to hear these folks that we have on the air define the problem for us if they could. And I'd like to start with Stephen Steven Spears, the current uh, executive director of Habitat for Humanity, Kauai.
6: Okay, so... I think when I look at it, I see the, the largest problem is um, basically affordable lots is the start um, to where you um, say, if you're an outside investor coming from the mainland, um, when you go to you'd spend millions to buy land and then you have no idea whether it's actually going to be um, uh, get permissions to to develop. So it's hard to get outside money uh, directly in here, whether that may be a good thing. Uh, some people may consider that a good thing or not. But the problem is is that when you go to then develop, even if you're local, you put out a lot of money. There's a lot of money for infrastructure. That's one thing the county, I believe, is working on now, and it's a real focus. There's a real problem with infrastructure, having enough water, having enough sewer, and, of course, road issues, uh, traffic issues. So you have all those three things floating around there. And then you go to develop land because there are not lots available to buy that are affordable. Um, maybe they start at, what, two fifty to 500000 for the land, especially if you're not doing oceanfront or something like that. So already the land prices alone put it above what's affordable, even before you start building the house. So it makes it real challenging to even do that so you have to have either an agency that has a lot of uh, supplemental money that comes from government or other sources to really reduce the cost but that gets very expensive for taxpayers to be supplementing say a quarter million dollars per household and we've got need of we'll call it 5,000 units on the island so five thousand times a quarter of a million that's a lot of that's a lot of money so and that would just be for the supplement that's not even to build the house so that's there's a lot of dynamics floating around there so we have to get very creative in partnerships and um uh working with the counties getting i know with the they have some new rules and regulations that help the family or help the Developers, If they're developing 50% or more of low income, then there are some issues there that help. But, but a lot of it's the infrastructure and just being able to, the amount of money. And if you're a for-profit, there's really, there's hardly any room in there to make any profit. So most, most people like to make a living when they have a business. So... That's why the nonprofits have a little leg up on that because they get a lot of support in, from a lot of different areas. But it's still challenging. You have to pick your projects. It's not like you can just get any piece of land to make it work. You have to really pick, and you have to be lucky to get everything lined up together at this point. That's why there's no affordable housing speak become.
5: Well, to give them a frame of reference, Stephen, you guys did that pro- project in L.A. LA. How long did it take you to get your permits and what did it cost you before you were ready to start construction?
6: Well, in that case, we actually started, they actually bought the property in 97 and they worked for, they had to do land use commission, I believe, to get the zoning and that took quite a few years and then they went down the, then they had to put sewer lines in, water lines, highway improvements, detention basins and so not having, you know... Fifty million dollars to start out with to just put it all in. They did it. In, uh, Habitat did it in pieces, and then when they got up to the point to where they had all the offsite, then they could start. But basically, once we had the 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 we started the engineering on the second phase in 2007, and we really didn't start home construction until until 2015. So it took about seven or eight years to get it moving. So it took a lot of time.
2: Things. Things are going faster now though and the county's improved the um, procedure for entitlements
6: a lot. they have helped out so the Y man to put that in contrast is they took about seven years to get things approved then since then we started in uh, October 2017 and it took 18 months so it's still a substantial amount of time but it's a great improvement from what it was to get the, um, the permissions and actually get the construction started. It took 18 months compared to seven years. Wow. Uh, so
5: just wild guess, what did you spend before you started construction on your first house? In? L.E.L.E. Il- in the L.E.L.E. project.
6: Oh, gosh. I don't know, probably about $5 million, possibly.
2: Wow. Um, just as a reminder for everyone listening out there, this is a call-in radio show, and we sure would like to hear from you. The call-in number is 826-7771. six seven 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 one. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to pick up the phone, and we'll do our best to get your calls. Um, Milo, what do you see as the problem with uh, affordable housing, or the crisis that we're in? How would you describe it, and what are the challenges?
1: Well, you know, I think Stephen has really hit on the key uh, on the key points. Um, I always come back to infrastructure as being a primary impediment to housing here on Kauai, um, and that's just due to the nature of our uh, how our island was settled and, and then uh, the plantation life. Uh, infrastructure wasn't really laid out. Uh, you know, the town that I live in in Kalaheo on the South Shore uh, doesn't have a sewer system, so we all have individual cesspools or septic systems, um, and that by itself is a major impediment to uh, uh, cost of housing. You know, a septic system costs twenty to $30,000, depending on your soil type and, and your seepage uh, field. Um, so when we come to look at developing a property, not only is it the cost of the land, um, because I'd be willing to bet that for Habitat's development of the L.E.L.E. Iluna property there, the purchase price of the land was probably less than $2 million. And the rest of that was in infrastructure. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, I kind of use a, a one third, two thirds rule in that about a third of the cost is going to be land costs and uh, the other two thirds of the cost to get the property ready, uh, for vertical development is going to be infrastructure. Uh, so sewer and water and uh, any road improvements necessary and traffic uh, improvements. So that's probably the biggest impediment. And then, uh, and then getting the money together to to buy the land and you have to hold on to that and pay interest or uh, maybe if you're lucky as someone who gives you grant funding to secure the land and then you've got to lay out the cash to do the uh, uh infrastructure improvements um and it can be as short as 18 months but uh i don't think habitat's actually built anything in waimea yet so we still uh still going to be a couple of maybe another year before they build a, a house out there and start seeing um some uh, return, Uh, and by return I mean housing units produced with the funding that they've got. Um, So, you you know, you're looking anywhere from three to as many as eight years before you see uh, actual housing units built from that
6: effort. Steve was in studio shaking his head in agreement, right, Steve? Yes, I was. And so, yes, it, it took 18 months to get to the point to where you could start the infrastructure improvements. Yes, the first right. time it was seven years it started, so it was an improvement. But you're right, it will be another probably 18 months, probably before we completed the construction of those. Um, you hit the number right about right, three years where we'd finish those 32 units.
2: Well, like Jim said, we've got a lot of expertise here in the room, and we seem to all be agreeing on a lot of things, and that's, that just points to the fact that we all know our business. Milani, would you like to add anything to describe the problem, the uh, affordable housing development and the crisis that we're experiencing? What do you you see in your position over at Habitat?
3: You know, uh, in in my role at Habitat, I have the pleasure of working with many of our um, applicant households, our our home buyer households, and uh, definitely our our volunteer base. And a lot of what I see is, um, and probably all you guys will nod your heads at this comment, one of the uh, interesting characteristics of our community is that hey, there's some of us on the island that don't cross halfway bridge, right? There's two sides of our island. We're not going to go cross the bridge, really. Many of us, depending on where we grew up here on island, that's that's where our roots are: west side, south shore, east side, north shore, right? Um, and we want to maintain the roots there. So those of us who aren't participating in the brain drain and leaving to go seek education or jobs elsewhere. Those of us that remain here, we're choosing to remain here for a reason, to set down those roots, to continue establishing those roots. And I think that's, that's one of the most fascinating parts of our community, but also definitely a challenge that all of us as affordable housing providers need to understand and figure out how to work with those nuances.
2: Thank you, Milani. You know, um, we've brought this up before. The, the population, we're told, of the island is is shrinking, yet more and poor, more people are coming here every day. So that tells us that um, the people who have roots to the community are leaving. And it's the cost of living, including the housing crisis that we're experiencing, that's contributing to this. And this is, this is really the heart of the crisis, is that we're losing our culture, we're losing our people, and we're losing our community um, and that's uh, that's why we're all here, and that's why Habitat for Humanity and Kauai Housing Development Corporation and PAL Kauai we're all working towards, uh, and other agencies as well, working and companies working towards solving the the crisis here and and talking about the crisis and the solution. Uh, Jim, what do you what do you think about the solution? Could you, could you <laughs> tell us tell us what Pal's opinion is for um, permanently affordable living about how we how we solve this problem.
5: Well, right now, we're working on a design for a magic wand. And when (laughs) when we can get that finished, we figure we'll just be able to wave it, and the problem will go away. Meanwhile- We wish. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, um, PAL itself, Permanently Affordable Living, our focus is actually not on housing. Um, that is one of our focuses, but our focus is on trying to figure out how to make it affordable to live on Kauai so that people who actually do finally get a house from Habitat or, uh, through whoever, the county is developing quite a bit of affordable housing now, mostly for, for rentals. So that when a family does finally get affordable housing, they will be able to hold on to it. Now that, there's a lot of elements involved in that. For example, we know of a person who has an apartment uh, 100 yards from here in the affordable housing rental complex right next to the Princeville Shopping Center who works in Kalaheo. So his car cost him more, the maintenance of his car and his fuel cost him more than his rent does. So we try to focus on if we're doing a project, we want it to be a, a walkable project where the people can walk to services and walk to their work. We're putting a lot of effort on trying to communicate with the business people that when you develop a business here, it is your kuleon it's your responsibility to provide housing. So if you're going to build a building, put a second floor on it and rent it out to your employees at a rate that they can afford. Every business person that I talk to knows that their employees, some of them, are living in their cars. Some of them are living on the streets, most of them we have the most crowded bedrooms in America on this little island, and we 're doubled up in these little houses. Uh, there are mansions sitting empty. Try to explain that so the solution it, the solution is m- manyfold. there are many things that can be done, and what we want to do is we want to try to approach how the different elements of the island can contribute to the solution. And what I would say is I want to ask each one of the people who are visiting, what can your organization do to try to solve this crisis? And then we'll go on and talk about what we think the county can do and what it is doing. It is doing quite a bit, by the way. And also, what can you do as an individual to help solve this crisis, the listening public? So um, maybe, Stephen, would you mind... Addressing that, what you guys are doing to try to solve this this problem?
6: Um, what we, an example, of what we started doing. We're trying to partner with other uh, agencies. So in Waimea, we had four and a half acres that we bought, and we could have built uh, forty-two homes on it. Um, so instead of building just forty-two single-family homes, we saw the opportunity that we could uh, part. We partner with uh, AHE Group, and actually, they're the group that. Uh, Ended up working up here in Princeville right. with the development you were just talking about. So we saw the need for the community, and I, I think that's the biggest thing is you look at the need in the community where you're at, and we ended up, um, in effect, there would be 35 rental units, which would be affordable for 60 years, and then we'll have our 32 single family homes. So to me, that's the first thing is to, um, to work with other agencies and try and get uh, for-profits involved um, in such a way just because nonprofits have a certain access to funds, but the for-profits will have access to different funds. So we really need to do it as a big group. Um, and actually the county support has been, they were extremely helpful, county housing, the mayor's office, uh, the different departments to try and get the plans through. Um, it, the process did take 18 months, but I... You know, looking at it from, if you step back and look at the process, um, this would be a real challenge, but I could see to where they could really cut that down to be like eight or nine months um, by changing a lot of their, um, the way the departments can interact and work together. I think there could be a lot of efficiencies that, and what was good about it, lots there's a few times I went to the county and we would come up with some um, impediments or some issues and. They were actually coming up with uh, better ideas than what I was going to suggest, so they were they were actively involved and interested in making the project happen. And so that's really what we need is for all the agencies and everybody to get together and have a sincere interest in it to to move it forward.
5: And the county's working on that now. They're, they're working pretty hard on trying to make the process more simple. I'm going to just shoot from the hip here a little bit for, in my experience. What's happening is um, the planning department, the building department, all these departments got pretty frustrated with so many people building mansions on the island, and they intentionally slowed down the building permitting process. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But what I think happened is that slowing down became contagious and spilled over so that when you walk in with an affordable housing project, it got the same treatment now we know that there are counties in america where if you bring in an affordable housing project you put it on the desk of say the planning director it has to be approved in 45 days to 60 60 days or rejected or it's automatically approved and we know that this is Kauai; <laughs> things aren't going to happen like that here but we're working really hard to try to help the county refine the permitting process so, essentially, that's what you're saying, is we need to refine the permitting process and we need to all work together to, to make this a more streamlined process.
2: So, Jim, you mean they're going to lay out the welcome mat. What is, what is welcome?
5: Ah, e eh, como mai. Well, that's our proposal. And, fascinatingly enough, a lot of the proposals that we made over the last three years are now beginning to show up in the, in the new uh, county plans that they're working on to try to streamline the planning process. We don't care about credit. All we want to do is see the work happen. Milo, you have any ideas on this about what you guys can do to help solve this solution in the, in the coming uh, months or years?
1: Um, you know, I think that uh, you guys have hit on some of it. Um, I've been working very actively on uh, trying to get funding mechanisms from the state. Um, you know, the county can really help out uh, from a, uh, ordinance and, um, uh, restrictive, you know, just making the permitting faster and, uh, getting some of the obstacles out of the way for affordable housing. Um, but if you look at the budget of the County, which is uh, around $230 million, that sounds like a lot of money. Uh, but, uh, the state, the uh, Hawaii housing finance and development corporation, um, has a bigger annual uh, expenditure allotment from the the legislature than the county of Kauai does. And so I think making sure that we are bringing state dollars and as the smallest county, sometimes we're forgotten. And so making sure that we have a strong voice on Oahu and making sure our legislators are working hard to try and get funding uh, driven to Kauai uh that's something i'm constantly in communication with people with uh on Oahu um, and it's i think it's uh it's showing you know there's an omnibus bill going through the house and the legislate and the uh, senate right now that includes uh 75 million dollars for infrastructure for uh, essentially for Kauai and uh, Hawaii county and uh, i think that's going to go a long way if we can prioritize those projects where we'd like to see affordable housing built and develop uh the county can facilitate through those uh funds the infrastructure necessary to bring down the cost of developing uh lands in our urban cores to make those livable walkable communities that you're uh, talking about um there's also the county is currently working on the uh ordinance 860 uh and doing some amendments to the inclusionary housing ordinance and that's really a tool that's used to encourage for-profit developers to develop affordable housing alongside uh, market-rate housing. And uh, I've talked about this in the past. Uh, you know, housing, I look at housing as a ladder. And we don't want to lock people, I don't want the tenants living in our rental properties to feel like they're locked into living in an affordable rental for the rest of their lives. Because it doesn't allow for generational growth in wealth. Uh, ownership and and Habitat's program is an integral part of that. So we we supply a lot of rental housing. Habitat, by and large, um, and I'll let Stephen and Milani correct me on this, provide housing to people making uh, uh, 60% of AMI and less. And KHDC is also starting to work on a program to develop housing for uh, what we call the workforce or the gap group. These are people making uh, making between. Uh, 80 and 120% of AMI. And it's because housing in that category, a lot like the habitat housing, you can't make it and make a profit. So you've got to have subsidized financing to carry the cost of these developments over time. And we're working with uh, state and county agencies to use uh, state lands, to use state and county funding to help uh, defray some of those costs and make those uh, developments possible.
2: That's great, Milani. Would you like to add anything to this discussion regarding um, what is there a solution and what you think? And you could bring it down from anything from uh, government, what the public can do, or what individuals can do. How how do we solve this problem?
3: You know, I, I always, um, when I get asked this question, I kind of refer back to Stephen because he's been, he's been a wonderful, um, (laughs) wonderful leader at our organization. I've been, I've really enjoyed learning from him over the years. He is adamant that we can totally solve our affordable housing problem. Our project, um, that is now just coming to fruition over in Waimea, our Waimea Huakai subdivision, is kind of a little example of that in that um, by all of the powers that be coming to the table and having open communication and um, uh, wanting to be able to brainstorm and have some open ideas about solutions, that's, that's what's going to get us there. And our community is just um, what we're seeing at, at least at habitat. Uh, a quick little correction before I move on to this to this end is um, we do we are able to service um, up to eighty percent from 30 to eighty percent of our ami. And what we're seeing now compared to when we first started construction and, and lot offerings with our LELE phase one um, is that our interested home buyers are now more and more ready. We're turning away less and less people. Um, through through our program. So the the education is, is getting out there. Our banks, our credit unions, Hawaiian Community Assets, Hawaii Home Ownership Center are offering really great products in terms of counseling and other one-on-one sessions to help folks achieve that dream of home ownership. And just like what Milo said, I mean, that's the stepping stone to wealth creation that everyone in our community deserves.
5: So can I ask you if you know or if we can, among us, come up with, We keep talking about AMI, Area Median Income. I know it's particularly high on Kauai because we have so many wealthy people here. What is AMI now for a family of four at 80%? Do you know?
3: Oh, gosh. I think it's it, it's just around, like, 70... It's
6: around 74, 72, so th- 74. They, it, they just changed. Well, actually, they're in the process they of will being be changed changing right soon. now. It'll come out I soon. I think it's somewhere mm-hmm. around 73 or 74, if memory serves me. all used to be 72, so it's... So that's $74,000 so a year. Gross household okay. income,
3: yes, $74,000 a year. with four here, in correct. the
6: family. And so if you were in some little town in Middle America... You'd be doing pretty good at 74,000. Right. You'd be able to have a nice house and and things going on, but here it's not quite the same way.
2: Sure. And, you know, for our listening audience, uh, this is a call-in show, and feel free to call in with your questions at uh, 826-7771. I think
5: the phones are either broken or we put everybody to sleep.
2: (laughs) Well, we're using a lot of technical (laughs) terms, and... AMI is one of them, and uh Milo, you talked about inclusionary housing. Does anybody want to explain what inclusionary housing really is and how it works? Milo, you would like to do that?
1: Uh, sure, I can talk about that. Um, so inclusionary housing is uh, really a concept that's been turned into laws all across the country, and um, the idea is that when a, uh, a developer comes in and wants to develop uh, a hotel, resort, or a commercial property, um, let's use Princeville Shopping Center as an example. Um, because the housing that we were talking about earlier, the rental housing that's adjacent to the resort, was an inclusionary housing ordinance requirement for the development of the shopping center and uh, the Princeville Resort area. And um, they were required to supply uh, so many housing units for, uh, based on, uh, I think, speculatively how many jobs uh, the uh, shopping center would use. In a resort, um, it's usually done as a number of affordable housing units uh, based on the total number of units in the resort development, and then in uh, a housing development, um, the current Code calls for a 30 percent of the housing units developed are supposed to be affordable in a variety of categories, uh, from 80 percent of AMI all the way up to 140 percent of AMI.
2: So, so what? that's
1: uh, the inclusionary housing ordinance. It means that when other when a for-profit developers go out to develop a, a for-profit developments, uh, they have to include some affordable housing in their development. Milo, uh, do you know that. how
5: many how many units have been developed? In, say in the last twenty years under exclu- inclusionary zoning.
1: I, I don't know that number off the top of uh, my head. Stevens. Uh, the current development. So the the one there in Princeville is is one of them. The current development being built out in. Um,
5: yeah, but I said in the last twenty years. I'm not. No, I'm not shutting you down. I'm just saying that the Princeville Princeville was developed I think in '76. So it took them a yeah. little over forty years to develop these. Yeah. Stephen, you, can you address that? I
6: think since the ordinance changed back years ago, six or eight years ago, right about the time, I think it was around 2008. Is that about right, Milo? Yeah. Right around the crash? Yeah,
1: the major uh, changes were put in in, I think, 2008.
6: I think since the crash, last time I heard, a couple of years ago, basically I believe zero lots were actually new, new things were proposed. But I think that's a combination of the... Um, the economic crash, and then also of the amount of profit that you might reap if you come f- to to create a housing product here. So it's, it's kind of like there's been very little movement at this point, yeah.
2: So the inclusionary uh, ordinance, which is that you're supposed to include affordable housing, It sounds like it's kind of been acting like an exclusionary ordinance because um, no housing has been developed under it because it reduces, if I understand correctly, the amount of profit that a private developer will make because his return will be limited by the income of the people living there. So that's so the county's looking Mm. at that, right? Is that uh, county's looking at changing that? I don't
1: don't know if your statement's entirely accurate. it, well, what it does is that it, it often, the inclusionary housing requirement at 30% can make up uh, any project. Uh, if, you, if 30% of all of your business, you had to do at a loss. Um, you know, if you if you were a restaurant and you had to feed uh, 30% of the people that walked in your doors, uh, didn't pay to cover the cost of the food and the service that they got. Um, the challenges of running a restaurant will be more difficult. So I think that, um, while well intentioned, the current, uh, ordinance has made it such that doing any development can be very, very challenging with the, uh, with the existing ordinance.
6: And I, I personally don't think it was actually the ordinance that really squelched everything i think it's a combination of um the ability to develop here and the amount of time it takes
5: and make money right and
6: to make money i think the mm-hmm. time limit is really the one that really as much as anything because i i i personally like the idea of having, you know there's when you come in and if you build a hundred you know ten million dollar homes it would be nice at, at least if you have enough housing to the people that need to keep those houses up it would be nice that you at least have that in place so but i think a lot of it i think it's very complex is what the what the issue has been it's a timing issue it's um and and that kind of thing that adds to the whole the whole formula
5: well that would be substantiated by the project in Honolulu, which uh was developed by one of the largest developers in the country and people are freaked out because he charged so much for his affordable housing But when you find out that he owned the land for 20 years, once he started the process, it took him about 15 years to get get his permits and, and get everything done. And when you analyze that a corporation has to stay in business, has to pay the bills, has to pay the taxes, has to pay engineers, architects, and everybody else to get this project done before he can make a dollar, it's if it's 15 years later, just the interest... You talked about your five million bucks for doing the L.E.L.A. project. Just calculate the interest on five million dollars for for seven years during that process, and it is horrendous the extra cost. And so, what I'd I like to say that a lot of people are concerned about landlords here being um, greedy, usurious, trying to charge way too much for their rents and trying to charge way too much for their houses. In a way, we're kind of being backed into a corner because land is so expensive. There's very little of it, relatively speaking. Uh, most people don't, aren't aware that there's only about 7% seven seven of this island that can actually be developed. So it kind of jacks up the value of the land. Uh, when it costs so much to build a home, construction is so expensive. And then interest on your mortgage, taxes are high. When somebody wants to rent something out, a lot of times... All they're doing is trying to figure out how to, how to hold on to their house. They really can't afford to rent it any cheaper. And I'm not defending people who do charge too much. I know there are those. But uh,
2: Well, that, that might be another show, Jim. Uh, yeah. Rental, rental nightmares. We've got a caller on the line, and we're, we're going to put him on. I think he's got a question for the group. So, caller, you're on the air. Hello, caller. Hello. Aloha, you're on the air. Go ahead and uh, ask a question.
1: Hi, my name is Mike. I'm ending a two-week vacation up in Anahola with friends who uh, have a uh, multi-multi-multi-multi million-dollar resort home. Uh, so here's a question: uh, Is there been movement on the uh, island on Honolulu in regard to maybe like taxing some of the new resort owners, like on their way in? tax them 10% of the price of their home, and put it towards a specific fund for affordable housing? Can that type of program uh, work, or is it already
2: happening? Well, I, I think that uh, the county is, um, has worked out a differential tax property tax rate for um, property owners who use their, their home as a second home. But does anyone on the panel want to talk about that in general? Milo, you might be best suited to...
1: Um, sure. So uh, currently on Kauai, and I, I'm not entirely familiar with uh, Honolulu's tax code, each county uh, is responsible for the real property taxes. And uh, if you live in your home, uh, I think you're paying $3.05 per $1,000 of valuation. So um, we have one of the lowest real property tax rates in the United States, uh uh for for homeowners um, it, it in the in these ten categories we tax industrial properties differently we tax commercial properties differently uh, resort properties have their own tax and they pay uh, the highest tax rate um, and then there there's a, a special property tax class called uh, TVR or transient vacation rental and I think that that right now is at eight dollars and 10 cents per thousand. So they're paying not quite triple what a uh, residential homeowner, someone who lives in their home, pays in taxes. There's also a tax category where if you have uh you live on the property and yet you derive uh revenue, uh you rent out uh another house on your property uh as a long-term rental or as a um Transient vacation rental, there's a mixed class, uh, uh, which is a uh, commercialized home use, and that is roughly double the uh, the homestead tax rate, uh, $3.05. I think it's $6.10 per thousand in valuation. So our, our tax revenues are really heavily pushed towards uh, generating revenue off of commercial, resort, industrial, uh, vacation rental properties. And, and pretty, a uh, very small percentage of, of value of our tax uh, income comes from taxing homesteads, people who live in their properties in general. And then you can, if you own a residential property and you rent it out, if you rent your house at, at or below 90% of AMI as set by HUD, uh, based on the number of bedrooms that you have, you can get your property taxed at the homestead rate by providing that affordable uh, rental to someone in the public.
2: Uh, thank you, Milo. And uh, caller, did that answer your question, or would you like a follow-up well, I think question?
1: That is, I think it's pretty good news. I heard you guys were saying, I can't believe no one's calling us. So I think <laughs> might as well get a vacation of calling you because uh, your guest today is clear how much they care about this and helping
5: people. Thank you. You know, there's one one issue on the island that we're also trying to figure out how to deal with is so many of the wealthy people who come here and buy their second home or third or fourth or 20th or whatever it is let it sit empty. Um, they don't want anybody else uh, besmirching their home, so we have a lot of really nice homes sitting empty on the island, and we know that there are metropolises and other locations who have taxed empty houses. Just put a, a blanket tax on a house if it's sitting empty. And it has immediately changed the rental rates in that area and uh, you know brought a lot of rentals to the market. So that's something that we've looked at. Milo, I don't know, there's not been any progress on that so far that you know of, right?
1: Uh, you know, I think that that's a complicated issue because yeah. here in Hawaii, uh, you know, we have a lot of multi-generational homes where homes have been passed down To uh, Children um, and sometimes uh, three or four kids will own a home that uh, they inherited from their parents and maybe none of them live on the island, but they all come back and use that home to come back and and see family and see friends. And um, so it's not quite as simple as uh, I know up there in Kilauea. You guys have a lot of uh, uh, very high end clientele. Uh, but in Lahui and in Kalaheo, our vacant homes tend to be owned by either prior residents or, uh, or descendants of prior residents. And it's one of those situations where those families don't want to sell their homes or don't want to rent them out because they use them. Um, and these aren't high-end homes. These are, are kind of, uh, your average everyday, uh, six hundred, five to six hundred thousand dollar home. And uh, looking at taxing someone based on where they're from or their personal history is uh, illegal. That's a fair housing violation. And so, you know, you have to be very careful when you create legislation that you're not creating legislation that is biased in any way based on uh, fair housing guidelines. And so I don't think there's a really great way to solve that particular issue and that particular question.
2: All right caller, thank you for thanking for calling in as we round the top of the hour. We just want to take care of some of the house cleaning business here. Hold thank one you. second group, and we'll be right with you.:
0: KKCR Honolulu, KAQA Kilauea, K224CQ, Onahola, K205 FM, Honolulu.
1: The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent those of KKCR, its Board of Directors, staff, volunteers,
2: or underwriters. KKCR sustaining members in partnership with Kalaheo Chiropractic, Margie's Mobile Medical, and Healing Horses Kauai. Cal. Pal Kawaii Radio is made possible by our sustaining members.
3: Kalaheo Wellness Center, natural pain relief services, providing gentle chiropractic, acupuncture, therapeutic massage, nutritional wellness, postural training, cold laser therapy, and spinal decompression, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., 332-5580 or Chiropractic.com. Margie's Mobile Medical provides urgent and primary care visits for patients at home or work, offering a wide range of wellness services, medical cannabis cards, and telehealth. Most insurance accepted. More information and appointments at 808-635-2082 or marghee.com.
6: Healing Horses, Kauai empowering individuals of all abilities to address their unique physical, emotional, cognitive, and social needs with educational and therapeutic riding and horsemanship lessons, day camps, and outreach programs. Healing Horses, introducing beginning riders to the magic of horses with love, empathy, and respect. HealingHorsesKawaii.org, 634-3986. Mahalo
2: for supporting Kauai Community Radio okay guys we 're back, and I think that the the next question I wanted to ask was um, as a group, what are you guys doing to what are we doing to uh, to uh, solve this crisis? Are we working together what 's going on jim you want to you want to start us off
5: <laughs> well fascinatingly enough, just today we 've been talking about this for close to a year, and just today we decided to form an alliance among the affordable housing developers on the island and other than the county and one other person who has agreed to join who is not here today um, everybody in this room is an affordable housing developer and we've decided to form uh, an alliance we are calling Kaha K-A-H-A Kauai Affordable Housing Alliance you want to tell them we have a little outline for it that we put together
2: Yes, we do. So, the. Well, I'm going to look at that right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are working as a group of affordable housing developers on the island of Kauai, expressly founded in order to explore collaborations for the purpose of developing and increasing the supply of permanently and truly affordable housing. Members of the group will include affordable housing developers, both non-profit and for-profit, any professional or organizational uh, or organization who may be interested in supporting the work, and government agencies. Topics of discussions may include anything from policies and initiatives to specific projects. Caha will explore the best practices and ways to support each other and this work and increase each other's capacity in the development of affordable housing. Uh, I guess... I guess, ladies and gentlemen in the audience and listening, it's always proven that we're stronger united than we are separate.
5: Together we can do it.
2: Yes, we can do it. And, uh, Stephen, I'm going I'm to go to you. I, I've heard you say that we can solve this crisis. Would you tell us more about that?
6: Well, I guess you could say I'm kind of like the eternal optimist, that I believe that um, if, if we looked at Kauai and we have, say, we need 3,000 housing units, To me, it would be, and the way I'd break it down, we could develop, say, get 100 acres or even, say, 50 acres of land. And if a person developed it at uh, 10 houses per acre average, that could be single family, that could be condos, that could be rentals. So you're going to have about 500 units. So if you did a a 100 acre parcel then maybe you could do a 1000 units so if you want to solve the problem on Kauai then my analytical brain says okay so you do four or five 100 acre parcels voila you got 5000 units so the the question this so it sounds very simple on you know when i put it that way and i actually think it could be done the the biggest thing challenge is to make it to where um You make the programs in a way that uh, the people that are in services and the people that live here locally are able to get that because the people that uh, are able to come from the...
2: Why I the emergency All right. Well, thank you, audience. We just had a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is not a real emergency. This is just a test. We hope.
6: So, in this case, if you looked at it that way, if you developed five um, hundred acre parcels around the island, you could have four or five thousand units. So,
5: and that's for tourists, right?
6: No, that is not. That would uh, so the thing is, it's like Kauai Habitat. Uh, it ends up. It's not that we exclude anybody, but it ends up by the requirements of having low income and uh, having jobs here already. You know, being able to afford the mortgage and and doing the self help. It kind of lends itself into that model. So we don't necessarily, as Habitat, have that issue. But there there is one question that I have. Uh, maybe the audience would have some. Is that um, We've been asked so far. Historically, we've done single-family homes, say on five or six thousand square foot lots. Um, we're we're uh, trying to get some uh, projects going in Lihui area and you know the more denser areas. So historically, we've been more in the edge, uh, more the rural areas. Although Kauai is all rural, but still rural for the rural area. Um, um, I'm curious. I know a lot of our families, one, they uh, want to have a garden. They want to have a little place to have their kids to play and do stuff like that. I'm curious as to, to what is the actual need for having, say, condos, or there's a lot of talk about tiny homes and um, smaller lots, lots that are closer in the population, like um, population centers where you can walk to work and all that. I'd really be curious to know what the, the opinions are of people.
5: So, listeners, we're talking to you. There are <clears throat> there's also a concept that's being used on the mainland quite a bit. They're beginning to call it uh, cooperative housing, mm-hmm. communal housing. So, essentially, we're talking about an apartment that might have a sizable kitchen and living room, dining room, and then uh, shared bathrooms, maybe, uh, you know, stalls, six, six shared bathrooms with six or eight or ten bedrooms. And most people would say, Why? Well, you can have huge savings. Um, One of the major expenses in development is the plumbing. Um, And if you can put all the plumbing for eight bedrooms in the same, what they call stacks, so you serve the bathrooms and the bedrooms, instead of doing it for a two-bedroom house, you'd probably cut the cost of the plumbing by two-thirds or almost three-quarters or something like that. So we're, we're playing with a lot of ideas. So let us just ask you, if you would be willing to live in a tiny home, which is defined now, I think, is 400 square feet or below, or a communal apartment like that, or even um, in, in condos, just give us a call. Just tell us what you're thinking about it, because that's, you know, in order for us to be able to develop unique properties like this, we have to know, no developer is going to develop them unless he knows he's going to be able to put people in them. Otherwise, we're wasting money and time trying to develop things that people won't live in. So give us your thoughts on that, if you will. Give us a call, 826-7771. And this is the Powell Radio Show. We haven't been reminding you folks that very often, but we're on the fourth Monday of every month. We would appreciate it if you take part in the show. We plan to be here, with, obviously, with people and information about how, what is the problem and how can we solve it. And this problem, you know, people go, well, why isn't it solved? Well, maybe it has something to do with the fact that it's a worldwide problem. People all over the world are trying to solve this problem, and certainly all over the mainland people are trying to solve this problem. And there are people who are coming up with good solutions, and we're researching all those solutions. And we look forward to the people who have the information in 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 our audience to call in, too, and share, share what your knowledge is about what can be done i think we have a caller
2: we sure do caller you're on the air
5: hey i'm tom and i'm an,
1: on vacation from fairfax virginia i wanted to give you some input on the shared uh, facilities you know the shared plumbing that's just i think that's totally unacceptable you know apartment it needs its own kitchen its own plumbing its own bathrooms and the tiny homes i mean that's that's a very desirable thing i mean if if people could do that, you would have your own kitchen, you know, your bathroom and, and facilities. But anything that's shared is just,
5: I, I just don't think that would be acceptable to most people. Can we just talk about Thank that you. for a minute? Can you Are you on the okay. line still? I am. You know, so usually those are planned for a situation where you have a lot of singles in the community who can't afford to rent a one-bedroom home or buy a two-bedroom home. So they will share an apartment. So there would be eight or ten bedrooms that might be occupied with by people who all work at the same company or who all have a similar lifestyle or a similar, like, for example, on the mainland, I know that a lot of these people who are living in these complexes are the techies, the people from the uh, high-tech industries, and they like to share an apartment, even if it's six or eight or ten bedrooms, because when they go into the living room, the people they're hanging out with know what they're talking about. They have a similar lifestyle. They have the same interests. And so that's the kind of thing we're talking about. We're not talking about just cramming the plumbing for a bunch of families into one area. We're talking about developing housing for people who actually need or want that type of lifestyle, which can save quite a bit of money in construction and, therefore, save them money in their rent.
1: That's Uh, right, too. Based on on what you said, I I have to um, agree with you. You you know, you got a good argument and... um, Looking at it like that, I think maybe a percentage of the affordable homes could be like that. But yeah, based on what you said, that's uh, something I wouldn't consider. But obviously, for some people, maybe that would work for them.
2: Hey, Tom, thanks for coming to Kauai and listening to Kauai Community Radio and being a part of our show. We really appreciate you calling in.
5: Amen. Thanks for having me. The weather's perfect. Uh, for a change.
2: Right. Thank you, Tom. You have a great day. I don't care if it's raining, it's still perfect. Yeah, it's all relative. Aloha, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Milo, are you still with us? Hello? Hello. Aloha, Milo. Are you still here? Uh, I'm still there. So, you know, I think that the question we put to Stephen, I want to give you a chance to answer it as well, is, you know, are, are we going to be able to solve this crisis? Uh, I think Stephen said, and we've heard, we have to produce 5,000 homes in the next five years, and I think that that projection was made two years ago. Yeah. So yes. are we going to make it?
1: Yeah, um, you know, and I think the uh, projection has actually gone down and not up, um, and uh, that in part has to do with what we talked about at the very beginning of the show, which is a... Uh, a decrease in our uh, total population, although um, that doesn't hold true for Kauai. I think over the last uh, nine years, Kauai has grown at roughly seven and a half percent. So our, our population has grown a little bit. Um, I think that it's possible. Um, I think it's. Uh, ooh, I think it's going to take some time, and I think that part of the challenge that we face here on Kauai. Is what I like to call the drawbridge mentality. And it, it's kind of the idea that uh, once you make it here to Hawaii, whether uh, you're born here like I was, or you moved here 30 years ago or 40 years ago, um, you, you kind of, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of comments in the community of, well, I don't want more development. I don't want to see more development. And even as an affordable housing developer, I get pushback about uh, wanting to develop things, wanting to develop higher-density housing so that we can provide more cost-effective housing. Because the more units we can squeeze into a smaller area, it is more cost-effective, and we can provide more housing for the, for the community. And I'm not trying to say that I want this to be a, a, a metropolitan uh, area. I want to keep the character of Kauai. As it is, as it's been since I, I was born here. But I think it's a very challenging, uh, aspect to look at in, uh, that we have a lot of these, uh, NIMBYs who don't want to see any development at all.
5: What's a and NIMBY? So
1: overcoming, uh, well, overcoming that attitude of, you know, we need, we need, uh, we need some development to occur and not all of it is going to be affordable housing, right? In order to get the for-profit companies to come and, and work with us because we need them. They bring uh, a certain level of financial investment mm-hmm. and risk taking. Um, plus, in the housing ladder, when a family and I can give a very specific example of this, there was a condo development that was done as an inclusionary housing requirement for part of the Kauai Lagoons uh, Weston Resort when it was originally built uh, in Lahui. And uh, I recently, uh, four or five years ago, sold one of those units. This is a two-bedroom, two-bath unit. Um, it sold for, I think it was around 310000 which we can argue whether or not that's affordable, but when it was originally built, it was built as an affordable and sold as an affordable unit. Um, the seller of that unit went and bought a house in uh, D.R. Horton's project in the Hanamalu Triangle. Now he wasn't, he didn't buy one of their affordable units because now he made enough money that he could afford to buy one of their market rate houses. His condo, however, was sold to someone who was a first time home buyer who was coming out of the rental market and buying their first home ownership opportunity. And if we, if D.R. Horden hadn't created those new market rate units, this guy never would have sold his condominium, and that person who was renting would never have had the opportunity to buy. And so we need all rungs on the ladder to be filled. Uh, we need more affordable rental housing, without a doubt. That's one of our largest areas of demand. But we also need Habitat for Humanity developing that 30 to 80% of AMI first-time homebuyer uh, product. Uh, we need people building housing. That costs between the 80 and the 140% AMI. And we do actually need some housing to be built in the uh, non-affordable range as market rate housing so that people who want or who live in condominiums or who are in their first home ownership opportunity can move up on a rung on the ladder and thereby provide an affordable housing purchase opportunity for someone who's currently renting. Okay. And I think that, uh, and, and combining that we need all these lands that, that Stephen's talking about uh, to do the affordable housing development, uh, I think if we can get the community to recognize that that serves us uh, economically and as a society, uh, then we can move forward. I think getting that, that idea sold, um, I spent uh, uh, about a year and a half trying to sell that idea. And I found a lot of resistance
2: to it. Thank
5: you, Milo. We have a caller.
2: Thank you. Yes, um, you're listening to Permanently Affordable Living Kauai Radio on KKCR Hanalei, K-A-Q-A Kilauea. It's uh, it's Permanently Affordable Living. It's housing and so much more. It's also radio and so much more. And, and we've got a caller. Caller, you're on the air. How can we help you?
0: Hello. I'm calling... Um because it seems to me as though maybe one of the situations is zoning. Oh, yes. And it's not very clear in um, the realm of land development here whether you're going to get that zoning change or not when you when you purchase that property or um, even that it's understandable to a layman that when they did the Land development overlays here on this island. Um, it wasn't really like a, a future land use map. They zoned a bunch of stuff, and then, from what I can understand, they just marked the rest of it conservation. And at some point, you can be a Zuckerberg or uh, the guy that owns the, you know, the television company and owns a bunch of property here, and although it is in the conservation district, you can have it rezoned through a series of hearings. Um, what might be more interesting for people that were coming here with the skill of land development is to understand exactly where you want to put people. Because when you've got affordable housing in Princeville, it cannot also be vacation rental. So it seems like use and zoning is what's really important, and then that would get us to a stage of development. Because what I see the problem being here is not a lack of homes to buy. It's more of a lack of homes to rent.
2: Well, does anybody on our panel want to want to address that?
0: Well, it's both,
5: but I'd love to hear Milo's opinion on that. Uh,
2: I You know, I didn't quite hear her
1: last comment. It's not a lack of homes to buy, it's a lack of homes what? To, to rent. rent. To rent. Oh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we're looking for developers to sort of come in and actually understand the demographic that's going on here, that families are being pushed out and being pushed off the North Shore further and further and further in, you know, into places where we're making giant commutes that we weren't making before. Um, and our footprint on the island is much different and the way that people are using it is much different than they have ever in the past because of this situation. So, really, a planned urban development or treating this whole thing with a future land use map seems like...
5: It's, we should... it's tough. We are in a situation where the plan planned use were laid out many years ago, 60, 70 years in some cases, and in some well, cases...
1: Uh, yeah, let me, let me correct that a little bit, because the, the general plan that was uh, was finalized and published a couple years ago really does start to address that issue. And it did a really fantastic job of balancing out this very careful balance that, that even if you don't live here, even if you only want to come vacation here, everyone acknowledges that what makes Kauai and Hawaii so special, but Kauai especially, is the open space that we have, right? Um, so on my, in my drive every day between Kalaheo and Lihue, there's all this beautiful open land. And when I was a kid, it was all sugarcane. Um, And uh, now it's uh, used for uh, growing trees, for the biofuel uh, plant. Um, But it's open land. It's not housing uh, packed up against the road. And I think that there's this very careful balance between wanting to maintain the rural feel of the island and yet at the same time provide density necessary to address the housing. And so what they did in that is they identified town core areas. And in those town core areas, they've been doing uh, they've been upzoning. And Lahui Town Core is is got the first R40 uh, relative zoning that is available on the island. So it's an R20 zoning, but you can have an ARU, and a uh, uh, an additional rental unit for every uh, housing unit for every dwelling unit that is allowed in density. So if you have an acre of and land will
0: that be in the, and you're zoned the ADU.
1: No, it's not an ADU. It's an ARU. It's a rental unit. It cannot be uh, condoized and sold off. It's a, it's a rental only purposes. But what it did is in the in the Lahui Town Core area is it took our R20 zoning and basically doubled it.
5: Tell, so tell them tell what
1: R20 properties and not condominiums.
5: Please devi- oh, no, no, no. please devi- well for the audience please dev- define R20 and R40. So R
1: R20 is. Uh, uh, residential 20, so that that means that on one acre of land, you can build uh, 20 uh, dwelling units. And uh, now, with the uh, new laws that have been passed, you can build 20 dwelling units, and you can build 20 uh, additional rental units. And so if you were going to develop a rental project on one acre prior to this law passing, you could only build 20 units. Uh, since this law has passed you can now build up to 40 units of density on one acre in in those areas and so i think the density issue has has been resolved and that's something well it is when you being, look at, yeah well, when you look at creating policy from a governmental density. perspective in resolving affordable housing zoning is a, a big one um, and it yep. is the first one that needs to be attacked and i think the county uh, the county council has been doing an excellent job and the mayor of addressing uh, density as part of the housing solution and the next step to that is now we need to get the infrastructure in place so that we can actually build 40 units on that acre rather than right now we don't have sufficient uh uh, wastewater or water to build a lot of those properties out to their maximum density
5: caller Um, you said something another
1: problem but that's another
5: conversation pardon me nilo the caller said something while you were talking and we couldn't hear okay I, i apologize it's okay
0: Oh, well, I was talking about the um, area that you were discussing about the biofuels, the, the, uh-huh. the trees that you said you drive through by, you know. That, that whole area is in the opportunity zone. Uh,
1: no, it's not.
0: It's not? Is it just back no, to that area? No, it's not. It's, it's only
1: the urban zoned areas uh, in the Kaloa town and in the Kukuyula area. Yeah, so the, the, none of the ag land there is uh, part of that opportunity zone. That's my understanding.
2: Yeah, and there's a, a economic opportunity zone in Honolulu, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, everything
1: yeah. I think uh, west of the Honolulu River is included as part of that's the other opportunity zone on Kauai.
2: So the the county is doing doing a lot. Uh, the county is addressing the problem, and they're working. They're making changes to. Um, our laws and our ordinances and um, and they care and the new, new administration is really uh, addressing these issues and doing their best to make sense of them and uh, the new the general plan update did a lot did a lot towards that, didn't it Jim?
5: Well, I don't want to lose this caller. We have someone who obviously cares and is very sharp and uh, you know have a lot of wisdom. I would appreciate it if you would contact us either through info at PAL. P-A-L hyphen kawaii.org or come by our office on Lighthouse Road in Kilauea and just hang out with us and let's talk about the problems and what we can all do because that's one of the things we're going to talk about next. One, The last subject on this call, on this uh, show is what can people do, what can individuals do about this? And, um, you know, it sounds like you might be someone who would be willing to step forward and try to figure it out. So we appreciate well, your call. Well,
0: that he was discussing about the r20 and the r40 would be great if it overlaid over the existing lots that we currently have for example when you're in Lahui and you go across the street from wilcox into that neighborhood if those people were given the concession to also build another unit on their lot just like these people were
5: well they can they 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 can can build arus
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you set me you set me up to hit one out of the park. Can I answer that please? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Milo. Hit one out of the park. It,
1: it totally is for that. And this segues perfectly into the next part, what can the community do? So, ADUs, additional dwelling units and ARUs, additional rental units are two additional densities that the public has that are overlaid over existing zoning. So, for example, the area that you're talking about is called Molokoa. That's the area that is uh, right mm-hmm. around uh, the Civic Center and that area there. And that is uh, generally an R4 zoned uh, area. So that means there's one house for roughly every 11,000 square feet. Uh, mm-hmm. The lots in there tend to be between 10 and 11,000 square feet in general. And what is currently allowed uh, is originally it was one house. Uh, then they said, hey, you can have an ADU there now, too. So that is now two houses. Now, an ADU can be CPR'd, can, uh, done a condominium property regime, and, and can be sold as a separate dwelling unit. Um, mm-hmm. And the, here's the great thing. This new ARU, which was actually passed, uh, was actually started under the prior administration and passed after this uh, new administration took over, So I don't, uh, Mayor Carvalho and the prior county council members deserve some credit too. Um, But the new ARU says that you can have a house on that property, an ADU on that property, and each one of those is allowed to have an ARU. So you could now, we went from a density of one house per quarter acre to now you can have as many as four dwelling units per quarter acre. This is all conditioned upon there being sufficient water and sewer supplied to that basically property.
0: Two duplexes.
1: Yeah. So what segues is, uh, and I keep telling this to people, and I've got a video online that tells people this, the county council and the county wants you to build an ARU or an ADU or both. And this goes island wide. If you're not on a sewer system, the restrictions are more uh, likely to do with your sewer. Um, and in some areas, like Kilauea, I know water is a, is a particular limitation when it comes to infrastructure for uh, adding additional density on. But um, you, the county really wants people who own homes to add units to their property. It is probably the single largest way we can affect uh, the availability of rental properties on this island, is if everyone who owned a home added a rental unit to their property that that would be uh, twenty thousand new units, right? Um, so that's that is probably the lowest hanging fruit. The government has done everything they can to uh, get out of the way of that, and there is even a package of bills that got processed late last year that reduce or remove all of the fees, the permitting fees, to add an ARU if you're willing to rent that unit for the affordable housing guidelines, which is at eighty at ninety percent of AMI based on the number of bedrooms that you have, uh, if it's a two-bedroom or a one-bedroom. And an ARU is limited mm-hmm. to 800 square feet in size. It can be attached or detached, but the, the county really wants everyone to build these because it would go a long way towards helping us, uh, other developers who are trying to do other projects.
5: And what part of the problem is mm-hmm. how do people come up with enough money to do this? And some of the banks on the island and some of the credit unions are really leaning in to trying to help people do these ARUs and these ADUs so that they can, you know, get their um, a little better cash flow out of their property. A lot of times it enables them to keep their property, and they're going to lose it if they don't do something. Go ahead, caller. I think
0: that's an interesting, that's definitely an interesting comment because that is the core of our community. That community that we spoke of just in general right? now is the core of our community of people that have been established are from here were born here and will you know will be here forever yep. some of those people to wrap their head around a building project on their piece of land that's been like it's been in that configuration for so long right. if you notice the setbacks there most people's homes are set back they're not in the forefront of the lot you know and so i think it's just going to take you know it's going to take a, it's, it's change and that's Going to be that's going to be that's going to be somewhat difficult, um, especially when you can condo out and CPR those units when it's not a traditional granny flat or something like that. Um, you know, because then you are you're talking about separate meters, you're talking about separate parking, you're talking about separate everything. You know, yeah. just to buy another water meter and hook it up to the infrastructure that's already there can cost a lot of money. And yeah, it's, I know, yeah, it's crazy. you know, if it, because if we have to do engineering in the street, then we have to do engineering at the lot. If yeah. we're going to have more than three bathrooms on that one meter that's three-quarters of an inch or whatever it is, you have to move it up to five-eighths to get that fourth one on there.
2: It, <laughs> it sounds like dollars. you've developed some housing on the island, Cole. <laughs> please, <laughs> you know, please come by and see us. <laughs> you know a lot. <laughs> we may have to have you on the radio show.
0: I just somewhat. I, it, it, I, it's just it's just a dreadful snowballing situation, and I really appreciate what you guys do. I'm I'm aware of your um, little outfit over there by the hunter gatherer, and I can't wait to come and meet you face to face. Please, please Thank do. Thank you guys very much.
2: Please do. Thank um, you so much.
5: Some so what we want to do age. now is we want to move into the segment of the show. We don't have. We only have a half hour left, and we have a little bit of things we have to take care of. But what we want you to do is call us at eight two six seven 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 one, and we want to talk about what can the individual do and i have a few suggestions go for it larry
2: you're listening to pal kawaii radio on kkcr Honolulu, and kaqa kilauea
6: Everyone is welcome to KKCR's first ever Open House Party. Do you want to know more about Kauai Community Radio? Curious about our Jungle Shack studio? Come to KKCR's Open House Party on Saturday, February 29th. Come
2: and see what's going on.
6: Volunteers and staff will be available from high noon to 6 p.m. Visit kkcr.org or call. 826 7774 for more information and directions. Napono e me
2: That's this set. We're having the open house this Saturday at KKCR in Honolay. Tis the season of awareness for our endangered state bird, the nene, or Hawaiian goose. As they pair up, nest, and care for their goslings this time of year, they are more likely to be seen slowly crossing and feeding along our busy roads. Please slow down when approaching grassy areas where nene frequent. Despite the abundance of nene across Kauai, their state numbers remain low, and they need our continued kokua. This message is brought to you by the Kauai National Wildlife Refuge Complex at kilaueapoint.org or 828-0384, and the Department of Forestry and Wildlife at 274-3433. Mahalo. We're back. Thank you for listening to KKCR Hanalei. This is PAL, Permanently Affordable Living, Kauai Radio. So, gentlemen, Jim, where were we when we left off?
5: Well, we wanted to talk a little... We've been talking a lot about what is the problem... What can the various nonprofits do about it? And what can we do about it? And now we want to talk about what can you do about it. And this is a little bit trickier subject. <clears throat> we have suggestions that we make quite often. Essentially, a nonprofit it doesn't mean that they don't have any money. It means that they never have enough money is essentially what it comes down to. So what we need for you to do is to step forward and help. You can offer your knowledge, your expertise, like the wonderful caller we just had, to step forward and, and help uh, with all of their infinite number of jobs that need to be done. You can also, if you have property, you can bring your property to any one of these affordable housing developers, and they will help you. We will help you develop your property. You can do it so that you actually donate the property if you have a huge cash flow, and you can write it off. You can do it so that you break even. Or you can do it so you actually make money on the development. There's lots of money to be made when a piece of property is developed and there's a lot of expense involved, but we can structure it to to help you with your property. And then the most important thing perhaps is for you to help us with your contacts, particularly if you have contacts with some of our new and super well-heeled neighbors who have come to the island and who have so much money that if they step forward, they could essentially solve this entire problem with lunch money. But we need help, and we all need help. This is not for us. We are not making any money. Hardly anyone who does this makes any money. It's a matter of selflessly trying to help the island so that we don't have our local population decimated. So please step forward and, and reach out to us. And we're asking you to call now. We wanted to see what the individuals on the island see, what they... How can they help? Step forward and let us know what you can do, and we're going to make other suggestions. Call us at 826-7771
2: to the Powell Radio Show. So we've got a caller on the air. Caller, do you want to go ahead?
4: Sure, thanks. Yeah, this is Greg, and, of course, uh, you guys all know me pretty well.
0: I work with you a lot. Greg who? Yeah, here.
2: Greg. Greg is the vice president of Permanently Affordable Living Kauai and a, and a contributor to our radio show. Right, and,
4: and again, we've covered a lot of great topics here, and one of the ones that, you know, has been my initial entry into this whole affordable housing question years ago was the affordable housing plight, really, of the farmers. On amen, the island,
5: amen, thank you. Smaller
4: farmers. And, for example, you know, Milo mentioned, you know, I used to be able to drive by the big sugarcane fields, and those are gone. You know, that large-scale agriculture is largely gone from the island here. But even in sugarcane days... We had the plantation camps where they provided housing and little general stores for their people so they could actually live where they worked, which is a general principle that I think starts with the farmers. They really have to live on their own land. They need to be there to take care of their crops, and who knows what's going on with it raining or flooding on them or just to make sure that people aren't uh, taking their crops (laughs) before the farmer gets to take it to market. So that's one example of people needing to live where they work. But we know that the other big problem that we have here on the island is the traffic congestion. And the problem, if we centralize all the jobs and centralize all the housing, that would be great if everybody worked where they lived, only in the cities. But then that means that our rural lifestyle that we all love here means, rural lifestyle means having some farmers because that big open spaces needs to have some farmland on it. So there's some actual crops being produced for some revenue from all those nice big open spaces that we all like to look at but there has to be some revenue from them to be able to afford those big open spaces. So I'm wondering if anybody who's currently talking on this has ever got some ideas of how to really help the people who need to live where they work in general, and particularly the farmers is one of my concerns, and talking about the general plan, it tried to balance a lot of good points. One of the points in there is we want to increase our local food production for our own food security and sustainability and reduce the transportation costs and climate effects they have from all the transportation. So I think that's the other part that I haven't heard be brought up so far on this show, and maybe maybe uh, next month that should be another topic of how to work both on the, the farm worker housing, really being affordable for this, particularly the small farmers, and then the general category of that, worker housing, where one thing that I've been kind of suggesting is being done some places is making it possible for really any employer to build housing that's affordable for their own employees on their own work site so that they can walk to work literally by you know, walking across the, the lot or going from upstairs to downstairs, which is uh, one of those old, long-time, centuries-old traditions where people lived above their shops and literally just came down the stairs with their commute to work. No traffic, <laughs> no expensive transportation.
2: And better security. And that was for, the
4: yeah for 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 affordable living, that's another big part of it is for many people, after their housing cost, transportation is their next biggest cost. So we need to address that problem for people living where they work, not just being centralized in developments that then they have to agree to have affordable housing, but if they have to drive a long distance to work, that's an expense and it also creates the traffic congestion that we'd all like to see not continue to escalate the way it has been
2: and Greg, so, wasn't that um more of the plantation style of living really c- culturally and and uh, more attuned with the way Kauai, Kauai has been in the past
4: Greg, well i think that is part of the old traditional style that where people got to live in communities where you you, you, know, you know you grew up there you aged in place and you, you could <laughs> be born there work there, retire there, and die there because it was affordable and there was community support. There a lot of good richness things that come out of that for the social side of it by having people in a place. And I think we so far in our discussions have not really talked about how to address the housing needs of people who are making their living from the land, working directly, and of course the farmers are the best example, but there's also a lot of value-added services of the, you, know, you grow the produce, but then know turning it into dried spices or turning it into some kimchi or something else that's d- done to the original product that adds value or even t- making things for the tourist markets here all the restaurants you know food to table is a very popular idea that's an attraction for tourists as well as for the locals so that's only that's just a topic that i just wanted to bring up that hasn't been talked about so far and if any of the people who are currently the guests on the show or otherwise maybe we can uh, address that in another month on your next show.
2: Thank you Greg. Does uh, anybody want to th- discuss that issue right now just to touch upon it? Jim, Milo?
4: And then, of course I'd love to you know put a put a shout out to the farmers that are out there listening in the audience to to uh, either call in at this, at this time or uh,
5: maybe
2: give us some ideas for next month. 8267771 that's right, and if you're uh, if you're in the Kapa'a crawl right now, you might want to call and discuss traffic with us. It'd be a good time, yeah, as
4: long as you're hands free. Now uh, that hands
2: really, free. Thank you very much. Don't the regulations on using your cell phone while you're in traffic. <laughs> Please do not get a ticket while calling our radio show. Jim, do you want to just talk a little bit about walk to work housing in general, ag based housing, and what uh, the principles of pal Kawaii are, or anything like that? Well. <clears throat> we
5: have we we, ha- we have initiatives, PAL initiatives, we have five of them. And one of them is to develop permanently and truly affordable homes and housing. Doesn't necessarily have to be a house, it can be an apartment or a tiny home. But we are one of our fo- focuses is to try to keep those houses within walking distance of the, the place where they work and the services. And this is it's very tricky because often the land that is, could be used for development is close to infrastructure and therefore a lot more expensive because people know that it can be developed. So we're also working on how to how to develop without so much infrastructure, and that's another story, another, another show, but essentially how to develop with no pipes in and no pipes out so that we can develop land that is not so close to the town's so that it can be purchased less expensively. Stephen talked a lot earlier about how expensive land is here and, and what that does to the developer to buy it, carry the interest on it for the years while you're trying to figure it out and get it developed. So this is, again, for the for the, for the farmers, farm workers, they're almost in the worst situation right now on the island, and I know that the county is looking at options to try to help them but we're not making as much progress as we should, and that is another show. That is definitely something for another focus.
4: You know, I'll just add to what you just said there, Jim, is that the idea about developing on land that doesn't have the infrastructure, we want to be very careful about just not opening up development all across those, those lands that don't have the infrastructure, that aren't in the centralized areas where infrastructure is affordable. But there are ways, particularly for ag-based residences, ag-based communities, where we need to have the agricultural economy supported here. And, of course, agricultural workers need a place to live, just like a worker in in an office needs a place to live. The ag workers need to be able to live on their land. And there's the place where we want to be able to have something where we don't need the centralized infrastructure that's very expensive to run long distances in a rural county. But because of technology now, we can have things where, as you say, no pipes in, no pipes out can work and actually be better for the environment because the technology has gotten so good now that instead of cesspools or even septic systems, the new technology can produce a out of it that is even better than what comes out of the septic system or even a municipal treatment plant. So we have some new technologies that make things available for us where we really might be able to solve the agricultural workers being able to live on their land, even though it's far away from the centralized
2: infrastructure projects. Right, Greg, and these... These new technologies are also um, important for the environment. And if you're going to build something in um, Kapa'a and you have to put in a sewer system and you've got to transfer all of your effluent over to the Lydgate transfer station uh, and treatment station, um, that's going across a lot of areas that are going to be subject to sea level rise. Did you want to touch upon that, Greg?
4: Well, certainly I can and I'm sure there's others, uh, perhaps in the audience or again, a topic for another show, but that's something that we need to be looking at and, you know, Honolulu is looking at it. They had a sea level rise commission that came back with recommendations that really every department in the county needs to be looking at the impacts of not just right now on the immediate impacts on load on existing infrastructure or load on existing roads, but what's going to be happening if sea level rise projections are as they expect, it could be by the middle of the century, the, the one little study that was done for Kauai showed that four sections of the road through Kapa are likely to be flooded. So then what happens? <laughs>
2: That's 30 years from now. That's not too long. Could happen in less time, couldn't it?
4: Yeah, it could happen in less time. Mean, it could be more, but the thing is, it's coming within the lifetime of a lot of us, and also anybody who's doing a new house or a new purchase, it's within the lifetime of their mortgage. So... <laughs> There's reason to think about this stuff and start trying to plan for what are we going to do to move ourselves out of these risk zones, and that means we're going to have to take the places where the development has occurred in the past and say it's no longer going to be viable to live there, and we need to start thinking of where do we want that managed retreat from the risk zones and get going before we're forced to move because there's been a major hurricane or some other storm. We all had a little taste, of course, uh, almost two years ago now with what happened to the North Shore with 50 inches of rain falling, and we hope that doesn't happen again, but the people who are looking at the climate change stuff are all telling us that those are the kinds of things we can expect more and more around the world, and even more so here in this island state that we are, where we've got lots of coastline, and most of our infrastructure is right on that coastline, as well
2: as our housing. That's right. That's where our development takes place, right, Jim? Greg and
5: I often say, if we, all of us, keep sticking our heads in the sand, sooner we're, sooner or later we're going to drown.
2: The, the ocean will come up and drown us. That's right. You know, you're listening to Permanently Affordable Living Kauai Radio. We like to say it's housing and so much more. And this radio show is its radio and so much more. We're getting a lot of, a lot of subjects, a lot of wide wide ranging subjects. Today we've been joined by. Um, Milo spent with Kauai Housing Development Corporation and Stephen Spears and Melani uh, Pemental with Habitat for Humanity. And we're so grateful to have you as guests on our show on Kauai Community Radio. Uh, we've got a few minutes, and I, I'd like to give you an opportunity to um, to wrap it up for us. So I'll, I'll let you go first, since I'm looking right at you, Stephen. I'll, I'll let you go first.
6: Well, um, I don't know I'm I'm continue to be optimistic and um Kau- I know Kauai Habitat we're continuing to look forward um I know the planning department in particular is real focused on the uh, the large areas like uh, Lihue and really that's the best area right now for development it seems to have some of the well, actually, the west side has infrastructure, too. Uh, Waimea has infrastructure, and, uh, Lihue has the most infrastructure, I would say. Kilauea would be a wonderful place to develop, but I think there's a few years of work here, uh, that they're working on to get water and, and highway improvements in here. So, so we're looking, uh, Kauai Habitat's looking for the opportunity to, uh, do a very large project in Lihue, and, um, Actually get a lot of different partners, for-profit and other non-profit partners, such as the, the people here. To um, uh, So we'd really like to make a big impact and, and move ourselves. In addition, to probably doing more work in Waimea with the county property out there, depending on where they go with that and where the community wants that uh, parcel that they bought to go. It could be out there. It could be Lihue. And then as the infrastructure increases up toward Kilauea, it would be great if there are more affordable housing projects up here.
3: Oh, I'd just like to add that, um, you know, at at Kauai Habitat, we're actively working with our board of directors and our management staff to continue... Discussing opportunities where we have, we may have, um, buildable land available or, or, future possibilities. So anyone in the community, I invite you, whether you're, um, an individual landholder or you know of someone that knows of someone, of, that knows of someone, please come our way and call us, 3350296, and you can reach, um, me or extension 113, or shoot us an email, info at kawaiihabitat.org, and let us know the information that you have, or come over to the office, And set up some time to walk through some opportunities with us. We're happy to discuss um, anything that can make our community better. Thank you.
2: Belani, I think you've got a future as a radio host. That was really good. (laughs) (laughs) Milo, why don't you go ahead and and tell us, uh, close it out for uh, Kauai Housing Development Corporation?
1: Well, I, I do uh, want to thank you guys for uh, inviting us to join you on the show, and uh, I encourage people um, to reach out to any one of the three of the nonprofits uh, here. Um, we all come at the same problem from slightly different approaches. Um, KHDC is actively looking for some uh, property to develop uh more multifamily rental projects, uh, longer-term rental projects, Um, and we're looking for partnerships, uh, grant writers who are interested in working with us to get money together to do those projects. At the same time, we're also pursuing uh, single-family home ownership opportunities, uh, and uh, we're looking for land to build housing. We are targeting to work in kind of cooperation with uh, Habitat for Humanity. We're working in the next income category, the next uh, rungs on the ladder up from them in that 80 to 120, 140 range. And uh, we hope to be producing some housing in that range here uh, fairly shortly.
2: That sounds great, Milo. Thank you so much for joining us. And, Jim, do you want to close us out with Pal Kauai?
5: Pal Kauai, permanently affordable living. We are a 15-month-old company, nonprofit, with about 200 years of experience. We've brought together an incredibly powerful team, Larry Graff not being uh, one of the weaklings in that. he's He has 30 years of experience in nonprofit and affordable housing development and management and has really kind of put us on the map in terms of being able to, get the work done. Greg Crow, who was here just a few moments ago as our Vice President, has done really unique development, including putting a family in a house three weeks, building the house for them, landscaping, including a basement. Uh, three weeks from signing the contract, he he put them in the house. So we have a lot of experience in getting the work done, and we would l- look forward to your reaching out to us, anyone in the audience who has ideas concepts, or even questions, just contact us, uh, info at pal-kawaii.org. Uh, reach out to us, and we'd be happy to work with you and see what we can do to solve this crisis. It's, it's a full-blown crisis right now, and you know that that's true. Whoever you are who's listening knows that you know someone in your family or among your friends who has been touched by this crisis who's paying too much for rent who cannot afford to to live here making arrangements to get off the rock and we've got to stop this bleeding it's it's too much so reach out and help us and with your ideas like i said if you have property we can help you develop it or particularly if you have contacts with some of our more wealthy neighbors and if you can help them to realize the emergency that we face to step forward and help. We look forward to it.
2: And just as you heard all of our guests tell you that uh, feel free to give them a call if you've got property or you want to be a part of the solution, Pal Kawaii's number is 808-738-6706. Help us be part of the solution. Call any one of these great organizations that we've heard on the radio today Kauai Housing Development Corporation, Habitat for Humanity, and Permanently Affordable Living Kauai. Gentlemen and um, woman, thank you very much for (laughs) coming. Um, You've been great guests. Uh, We look forward to hopefully having you again in the future. We look forward to uh, seeing uh, the collaborations that we can form with others and ourselves with Kauai Housing, um, Kauai Affordable Housing Housing. Association. Uh, It's a brand-new concept, and we're we're looking forward to working with you on great things. Ladies and gentlemen and members of the audience, thank you for listening to us. Aloha, and have a great evening.